Life gets hard sometimes, so grab your weighted blanket and let's talk about it. Hello, ladies and men and non-binary friends, and welcome to Weighted Blanket Happy Hour. My name is Jackie, and Julia is not here right now because I'm alone in my apartment. Um, So today we have a very special episode. Uh, We recorded so much content that we don't have time for an intro, so we're just going to jump right into the interview. Julia and I were lucky enough to get to talk to Dr. Robert Murphy, who is a professor of infectious disease at Northwestern University and also the executive director of the Institute of Global Health, and he has a segment on WGN where he answers questions from viewers about COVID-19. He's a really cool guy. It was honestly such an honor to talk to him, Um, and we're just going to jump right in. Thanks. All right. I want to get your your, your official title title (laughs) correct. So it's Dr. Robert Murphy. What's your official title again? I'm professor of medicine and biomedical engineering. And I'm the John P. Fair. You're just going to say professor. This. You're just going to say infectious this. diseases. <laughs> John P. Fair is the father of Liz Fair. Oh, oh that's right. And I'm, and I'm the fact. executive director of the Institute for Global Health at Northwestern. I that's, love it. That's quite a title. <laughs> and it's, also uh, three titles. It's usually the you know if you're like the president, you just say you're the president of right. the university. But like for me. Uh, yeah, my three titles. You know, but so. most importantly, he's a dear friend of mine. Yeah, <laughs> and the and also the WGN segment. Oh yes, and yes. the the gem of Chicago with his morning WGN segment answering viewers' questions about the ever so popular COVID nineteen. Three hundred and thirty one consecutive weekdays without a break. Wow, oh. it is... just ended last Monday because oh, they really? cut me back to two days a week. Wow. I'm now just Monday and Friday. Oh, man. But up until then, from March 16th until a week ago, yep. every weekday. So a year, just like... A year, 15 for... months. It's five minutes a day. But, okay, so it's short, but it's but still it like takes, that's a thing you're doing every day that takes Well, it takes and... an hour to prepare for five minutes. Right, okay. Ta- so I would start my day at 545 oh, and true. prepare, get, re- get ready and everything. And, you know, it is... Live TV, so mm-hmm. you know you have sure to, is. you know, get it ready. <laughs> you, know, yeah. you can't just uh, crawl out of bed and, like radio. <laughs> I, love, I love radio. You can just stay there in bed. And, yeah, you know. so do we. <laughs> but um, but no, you have to actually look the part and like you learn how to, you know, have some kind of presence and some mm-hmm. kind of background uh, that mm-hmm. makes sense. You know, I'm not trying to hawk a book or anything with all the books in the background or anything. That's my desk in the back, mm-hmm. uh, either at work. At the hospital or at my home here. So um, was the was the segment your idea, or did WGN just sort of decide like this is a good idea, and then they called you well, up because when, you're the uh, expert? When COVID started, uh, so uh, January, uh, basically January, uh, you know, 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, interestingly, I had just come back from China. Oh, I, I was no. in. <laughs> Robin Baumgarten almost fell off her chair when I told her that. <laughs> so they, um, you know, there were no cases yet in the U.S., mm-hmm. but it was getting scary in China. So right. they invited WGN. We'll put a call out to the universities for an expert in infectious diseases. Mm-hmm. And that was pretty well known about HIV and a little bit about Ebola. So uh, the, there's a public relations office at the university, and they said, oh, hey, would you like to go on WGN or W? whatever, you know, and, uh, you know, talk about the this COVID thing. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, so I said yes. And so I went on WGN um, and uh, I had just, I told Robin, I thought, yeah, I just got back from, uh, you know, from Beijing. I was not in Wuhan. Right. Yeah. But anyway, um, you know, and so they invited me, that things were, when they had the first case in February in mm-hmm. Washington. Mm-hmm. So. Was big, and then the first case in Chicago was in Arlington Heights, and so they called me those three times. Then things got bad so quickly. I don't know if you remember. They, <laughs> I uh, yes, yes, yeah. we remember. So they got really bad really fast, and then they stopped having guests on the show anywhere in the studio. Right. And I don't know if you remember, uh, mm-hmm. Larry and Robin. Robin were you know sitting ten feet apart, mm-hmm. you know, in the studio, and everybody was masked up. The other people. And then they said, well, you can you can come on by Skype. Would you do that? And so I did one. Uh, and then they said, oh, could you come on? It was, so many things were happening 
and this is in March. Yeah. It was March 16th, actually. So then uh, that was a Friday, and then uh, they said, well, could you do Monday? And I said, yeah, sure. And so I did Monday, 7.05 a.m., and then it was, uh, I was actually doing it uh, down here in the living room. Actually, I thought the pictures looked better with the bookcase and whatever, and uh and so then they said, how about, like, just come on every day this week? And, it's, you know, then there's more cases in Illinois. Then there's mm-hmm. more cases everywhere. And then New York basically imploded with cases. Mm-hmm. And I just kept doing it and doing it and doing it. And they just, you just, like, keep coming. Yeah. And so I did. I kept a little notebook with the days I went. So it was 300. Didn't count the three in-studio ones. But I did. I said, look, I'm going to do this till you fire me. Um, the Good pandemic <laughs> ends or I dropped it. So, um, I didn't die. I'm obviously still here. We're very glad. And, uh, you know, and the pandemic's still going down, but it's a little bit calmer now. Uh, but you know, that's, uh, so it, now we're down to two days a week. Mm-hmm. Um, because the, what's happened is the pandemic has become much more focused. Mm-hmm. You know, why are people not getting vaccinated? Right. And what's happening to all these people with these long haul syndromes? Symptoms. Yeah, no, and what's happening to people with cancer and other diseases that aren't getting good protection from the vaccine? Mm-hmm. So the questions are really more about that. So you know, I don't know if we really need five days a week, uh, because the questions in the last couple of weeks they kind of all the same. So we agreed together to do that, and then I'm doing a um, uh, with the Northwestern Facebook page. I'm doing the questions that come in during the week, and so on Tuesday and Thursday, mm-hmm. uh, I give a video. Uh, I, answer the questions on video. It's staged. You know, we review them, and uh, I have an intern that reads them to me, and I do the questions. And uh, and I think that'll be fun. Yeah, and if things blow up again, you know, we'll go back to full time. But, yeah. but that's cool that you're spending so much time, like, you know, actively educating the public. I know for, for us, like, you know, for us layman people, we did not expect this to last nearly oh, no. as long as it did. As oh. an epidemiologist, did you? No, no, we didn't. We really didn't think so. We did not expect this thing to really become a global pandemic of the severity that it is and kill 600,000 Americans yeah. and millions of people worldwide. Yeah. No, we did not really expect it to be this bad. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, since we are a podcast that is about anxiety, um, being an, an expert of <clears throat> infectious diseases as you are, having to carry the burden of like this weight, this knowledge of the history of previous pandemics, watching other people experience a level of anxiety they weren't planning. How was your level of anxiety having to experience it from this point of view? Well, in, in February, early March, um, I mean, I understand I'm an epidemiologist. Mm-hmm. I'm an infectious disease trained, but we train in epidemiology. Mm-hmm. So, I realized that, you know, this does not grow one, two, three, four, five. This mm-hmm. grows one, two, four, six, one, two, four, eight, sixteen, yeah. thirty-two. Mm-hmm. You know, it grows exponentially. And I was looking at the numbers and looking at the cases go up and uh, I went to Costco. <laughs> <laughs> as you do, as one does, as and one does. I was reading what was happening in China, because that's gonna come here, and they ran out of toilet paper. So that's why I bought a huge Bundles of toilet paper. Even, even Dr. And Murphy. I bought a year's worth of non-perishable food. Mm-hmm. You know, hundred pounds of rice. You know, and I'll, I mean, you sardines here, folks, that last even, for even the experts went a little nuts pack, at first. Tax sardines that last for three years. You know, what I mean? stuff like that. Because you know, it if the supply chains would really get disrupted, mm-hmm. you know, you could have significant. Yeah. You know, food problems. And, you know, you've got 330 some million people in this country alone, you know, and who knows what could happen. Fortunately, that didn't happen. And that was uh, an unnecessary thing. But during the really bad days in April and May, you know, I don't know if you remember, you know, people did not go outside. No, yeah. I mean, the streets were empty. Yeah. I mean, we had to go into the hospital and. I mean, I could get to the hospital in four minutes, you know, <laughs> and find a parking space, you know. It's like, well, that's nice. And so that was great. But, um, you know, it uh, we we did the lockdown appropriately, and then things, unfortunately, really derailed. Um, we did not take a strict, as a country, did not take a strict infectious disease approach 
And really that was, you know, because of the leadership and the philosophy of the people running things, including the head of the CDC. Um, you know, and they just basically, there was this whole laissez-faire approach with, uh, you know, a neuroradiologist from Stanford. I'm not going to even mention his name. Yeah. You know, who just said, let it run its course. I, you know, I the, remember this person. And the, yes, and I remember the, that. Uh, uh, lieutenant governor of Texas that said, well, mm. the old people are going to just have to sacrifice themselves for the young. And, you know, from an epidemiology perspective, it's that's just so unethical. I mean, how are you going to let millions of people die? Right. I mean, the estimate would be, if we did that, A, the whole healthcare system would have imploded, like it almost did in New York. And somewhere between three and six million people would die. Now, every year in the United States, 2.8 million people die. Mm-hmm. So what if you just lump on another three to six million deaths? That's actually a lot of people die. Mm-hmm. And the system, you know, A, you're, you're killing people that don't have to die. Look okay. at Australia. Australia, so strict with the mitigations. You know, they've had like 30-some thousand cases. Yeah. You know, that's like nothing. That's nothing. Yeah. But... You know, they get together as a country. Taiwan, Vietnam, South Korea are the same, uh, and New Zealand. And they did it. They kept the virus up. But, you know, they kept it uh, subdued. But, you know, here it became this political football. And unfortunately, you know, a lot of misinformation and people taking advantage of a pandemic, which is something that just, just irritates me. It just rubs me the wrong way that somebody would take advantage of this situation mm-hmm. for whatever reason. Yeah. Have, have Money, others? fame, or whatever. Who knows what it is, you know, the, mm-hmm. to, to there. It just, to me, doesn't make any, any sense. And this anti-science attitude is, um, you know, if you, if you follow that line, you're going to pay the price. Mm-hmm. Um, have there been others, as a person who has studied this extensively, yeah. have there been other periods in history where um, a pandemic or outbreak was politicized before? Oh, absolutely. The um, Of course, there's the AIDS pandemic, but that's transmitted in a very different way and has its own special sense of mm-hmm. you know, circumstances that right. go along with it. It's a terrible thing. But we've got that down to a dull roar uh, without a vaccine. The closest thing is the 1918 flu pandemic. Ah, yes. So that was devastating and in some ways a little bit more devastating than this pandemic in that, well, first of all, they didn't even know it was caused from influenza virus. They had no idea. Because it was 100 years ago. Because they they didn't know know the medicine hadn't evolved that much. Also, we were at the end of World War I, so there was just too much going on with the world to Mm -hmm. deal with it. President Wilson actually got influenza himself when he was in London and mm-hmm. survived it, unfort- was fortunate. And, but, you know, the, that pandemic was uh, different in the fact that younger people died. People in their 20s, healthy people, would mm-hmm. die from influenza. Mm-hmm. More servicemen died from influenza in the 1918 to 20, 19, 1920 pandemic. They died from influenza, as died actually in common. Oh, wow. People don't realize that. I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. And, you know, it hit the three waves and it disappeared. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just went away. And, you know, when the uh, the first, I mean, that's it's a horrible, I mean, hundreds of thousands of people yeah. died in the United States. <clears throat> and the first um, book written about the whole thing, mm-hmm. uh, guess what year that was done? It's a, it's a trivia question. 1973. I knew I was going to be upset about the answer. Yeah. <laughs> I knew I yeah, wasn't going to so like it. So a guy named Crosby, I think it was 73 or 76, I can't remember. But, uh, I mean, he put the whole thing together because when that ended, the war had also ended. I mean, a world, the First World War with all the devastating mustard gas. And, mm-hmm. you yeah. Know, I was going to say. Killing the, of all these people. Your statistics surprised me because, like, World War One is the one where, like, everybody died. So, like, yeah. the, the fact that more people died from the flu is insane. Yeah. So it was, uh, it, it, it was really uh, a, a terrible situation. And they had the same 
issues with the masks. Yeah, I've, I've read about wars that. with the mask, fights with the mask. People killed each other over masks. The difference with this one, um, it would have been as bad. Although this one, uh, COVID really hits more of the older people and immunocompromised people. The younger people do much better, mm-hmm. whereas they were dying of the flu in, in 1918. Yeah. So uh, you 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 have that, but this one. Last prior administration did two really smart things. One is they poured in thirty, I think it's thirty billion dollars into vaccine development. All these companies that are making the vaccine got tons of money from BARDA. BARDA is an acronym for one of the government agencies that helps companies develop something that helps our health. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in this case, BARDA was said, "Get the vaccine, things going." So one of the reasons why the vaccines were developed so quickly is that they were flooded. Yeah. Flooded with cash. Which is good. Yeah, which is great. They also, remember, we couldn't you couldn't even get a test in April or May? Yeah. Couldn't even get a test. That was a screw-up at the CDC level, uh, which was run by a very incompetent person named the withheld. And, uh, and I love all of this, like, medical drama, too. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah people don't, who, who cares about the medical drama? People's names that make no sense to anybody. It doesn't make any difference. They're gone now. Right. Uh, gone and discredited. And uh, but anyhow, they put in um, several billion dollars in diagnostic testing. So I'm actually part of that program. It's called the Rapid Acceleration for Diagnostics or RADx uh, for coronavirus. Mm-hmm. And so we have developed, pumped money, and tested uh, all these uh, tests. So we have the tests now, and we have the vaccines. Mm-hmm. And like you, if you asked me a year ago, even a year ago today. When would the first vaccine would come out? I would say about right now. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't believe I couldn't believe that vaccine got developed by December. A lot of us could not. A lot of us did not. Believe me, I didn't think it could happen. <laughs> when I, you were talking earlier about like the the skepticism and how much it frustrates you, and it's like that's the first thing that people pointed fingers at was like, how did this happen so quickly? And then you know. Everyone was like, Our mRNA technology has yeah. existed for a while, actually. People forget how technologically great we are. Yeah. We are a great technological. And especially with the, the government throwing all the money in there. You know, these startup companies, you know, it's they struggle for years trying to raise money. Yeah. Well, Uncle Sam shows up. We know it costs a billion dollars to make that vaccine. Here, <laughs> you know, it paid off. Yeah. Incredible. So, I mean, I give the last administration all credit in the world for that. There is absolutely nothing wrong with that. Matter of fact, it surprised everybody. Yeah. yeah. So, and we're lucky because the rest of what happened is this anti-science division thing, misinformation. Mm-hmm. It's just really incredible. Mm-hmm. You know, vaccines notoriously are cheap and safe. Right. I mean, every you all, you had vaccines when you were a kid. Right? Yeah. Yeah, I had vaccines. You know, I mean, we all, children get most of the vaccines. Mm-hmm. What happens, you know, I mean, there's a, a rare problem with the vaccine, but it's historically mm-hmm. rare. Right. And, you know, here we have it again. Vaccines, very effective. We thought at the beginning they'd be 50% effective. They're 90 to 95% effective. Rochelle Walensky, the head of the CDC, uh, she had a a quote last week. If you're vaccinated, you're not going to die from this. You know? I mean, we're successful. The problem is we can't get people to take the vaccine. Right. Well, and to that end, you know, because it's so effective at this point, at least in America, because of the supply we have, 100% of COVID deaths are now preventable. That's got to right. suck for you to know. Oh, watching yeah. it's all of very these frustrating. But you know, I mean, I think a lot of it is misinformation mm-hmm. and the politicizing, the anti-science, the demonization of health officials like mm-hmm. Dr. Anthony Fauci and and other people. Uh, I mean, like the the head uh, Mike Devine of uh, the governor of Ohio, mm-hmm. uh, Republican governor, has done a fantastic job. And he had a, a woman who was the health director, and she re- she couldn't handle the, all the death death threats and stuff. Michael Hotens, the, the guy from Baylor, who 
who's on TV quite a bit, you know, says he gets a hundred death threats a day. And I was do, like, do what's going get, on here? Why do you want to shoot the yeah. people trying to help you? Do you get like trolls and stuff? You know, with your with your radio. Oh segment? yeah, and I get I, I get trolls, but I you know it's been pretty for me. It's been pretty quiet. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the people in Chicago um, are really great. I mean, they're much more practical. You know, okay, there's people that disagree with me, and I get hate mail and mm. stuff like that. Uh, and actually, I respond to every person's email or letter mm-hmm. if they put their name up. Mm. And <laughs> I respond to everyone, good and bad. Wow! And I'm not afraid to have an argument with somebody who's willing to put their name up. But the trolls, you know, they're out there. But the WGN is very good. Like, you know, they said, oh, don't worry. First of all, I don't even look at, I don't even have a Facebook account. And smart. I never look at Facebook. Smart. <laughs> so, like, they occasionally, like, warn me, oh, don't look at Facebook today. I said, don't worry, I don't look any day. And so, <laughs> and so my kids will call me, uh, Dad, where are you going tonight? You know, they'll be worried about me. But uh, you know, it it really it, they're tr- they're trolls. Mm-hmm. They're they're not even real people. Yeah, it's accounts that are set up and then unset up. You know, closed after like some hate hateful things are said. Yeah, and so it's like this organized craziness. Mm-hmm. And you know, who knows who's doing it? But I think in general, Chicago people are really great. They appreciate it, and they're willing, and they, and they are willing to discuss with you, yeah. even mm-hmm. the ones that have disagreed with. You know, especially if I'm responding with them. And I will respond. Um, you know, at the beginning, the uh, they were trying to make this big difference. Well, you're either going to protect yourself from COVID or you're going to have economic collapse. Who won that one? Mm, I mean, we yeah. didn't have an economic collapse. The rich got richer. You know, it, it, it was not as big an economic catastrophe as everybody thought it was going to be. That's true. I mean, that has surprised everybody. That's true. I think, like... What I struggle with is that, you know, I grew up with, my mom was an aunt, my aunt was, wow. Your mom was an aunt. Please edit that out. My <laughs> mom was a nurse, and my aunt was also a nurse, so yeah. I grew up believing in the science. Like, yeah, got that yeah, name right. when I was a kid. And, like, I have I have a, a person in my circle who has never been vaccinated before oh, no. for religious reasons. Um, and this person is a smart person. They've got, an, they've got a master's. And I, and they just, even though they're not religious, they just don't want to get the vaccine. And as soon as they mentioned things like, like, oh, well, you know, there's a lot of ties to, you know, autism. I'm like, I can't talk to this person anymore. And I don't feel, I don't feel like, you know, um, like edu- not educated, but just not like, I can't pull a statistic up like out of my pocket. Like mm-hmm. some people can, but it's just like, I, I understand like someone planted this inside your brain that like, vaccines don't matter or like like it doesn't apply to me because I didn't get sick from polio or from you know whatever but like how like how would how would how would the Dr. Robert Murphy yeah. respond to someone like well, that? Well you know there's individual decisions mm-hmm. and there's public health decisions. Right. So mm-hmm. do you want to put the other people in the community, your friends, your family, other people that you just run into, do you want to put them at risk? That is really the big difference. Mm-hmm. So the libertarians and many people think, you know, my health is my business. It's my freedom to not take a vaccine. And that's my business. Mm-hmm. That's one position. The public health position is you don't have the right to put me at risk. You don't have the right not to be vaccinated, get this thing and contaminate me. Mm-hmm. So it's public health versus individual rights. Now, remember, it's individual rights, not individual health, because that person is the one that's really most most at risk. It's like speed limits. Mm-hmm. You're on the highway. There's a speed limit. If somebody's going 120 miles an hour, they're putting a lot of other people at risk, and that's why they get a ticket, and that's why they get arrested. And if they say it's my right to go 120, the police officer is going to laugh as he <laughs> handcuffs them and drags them away <laughs> after the breathalyzer test. <laughs> We have all these laws out there to protect ourselves, to protect the public health. We have laws to protect the water. You know, we can't let some private water company come in here like they did in Flint, Michigan, and, like, give lead poisoning to everybody. Yeah. You know, that's against the law, and those people should go to jail. Uh, there, So that's public health. And individual rights uh, is more like, you know, 
do you want to, you know, stand in the room and do naked handsprings? <laughs> no problem. You know, you can't do it on the street because, you know, you're going to offend somebody. But, I mean, you can do whatever you want in your house. Jackie. That's okay. That's an individual <laughs> right. Darn it. There goes my Saturday. Yeah, now. right. There goes uh, the weekend, you know. So, but, I mean, it's, uh, it, it's, it's in that same vein. Mm-hmm. What, what's happened is this uh, politicis, politicization of vaccines, which is just really, I, I, I think, it, I find it very strange because vaccines have saved hundreds of millions of lives. When you were saying earlier how like vaccines in recent history in response to things like polio, yeah. like where none of that happened. Talk, well, talk a little bit about that. When... When I was a kid, there were pictures everywhere of kids in iron lungs, these big tube things breathing for them. I wasn't even alive during that, and that terrifies no. me because I'm like, oh, God. She's asthmatic. That was the, <laughs> that was the uh, March of Dimes. Yeah. Everyone put a dime on this, like, sticker tape thing, and you would collect the dimes and give it to fight polio. Mm. That's where March of Dimes came from. Oh. Yeah. And so, you know, as soon as the vaccine came up, so many people wanted the vaccine that the the cities, the villages and whatever in my town, um, they used the churches and synagogues to, or they organized, okay, your church has, you know, 800 members. Uh, we can do 500 people a day. So you're going to have like Monday and Tuesday, your whole church will come or Sunday, whatever it was. And, and so you did it by church. And then people that didn't go to church had there was another way to get the thing, but they organized the entire town to get um, polio vaccine uh, based on that. And it was, I mean, I don't even know anybody that didn't want to take it. He's like, why would? You? And so then nobody, <laughs> nobody health. got it. Right. Like right now in Marin County in mm-hmm. California, north of San Francisco, very wealthy, educated county, ninety percent of the people have taken the vaccine for COVID. Because they vaccinated 90, they get over that herd immunity oh, threshold. Yeah, yeah. There's no COVID in that county. Okay, we can do it. Yeah. 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 It is possible. What's the problem here? And, and, uh, you were, and you were saying that like now the study is like geared more towards like uh, how like why don't people want this and like you know what why don't people want to yeah. get the vaccine and like how will that affect like you know because the you know we're now reaching like endemic stage where like we might just have to get a well, there, shot every year. You know, in the past, um, especially in the United States, African Americans um, were very distrustful of the CDC because of the Tuskegee experiments for syphilis and, mm. and many other many other reasons. Right. And so they're very skeptical. Mm. And so they've always been like a little bit hands-off. But anytime they see white people like me, you know, saying you should take the vaccine, it'll help you. You know, mm-hmm. there's, there's always this pushback. Right. So, but there's ways around that. And we can use the churches and other... Um, African-American authority figures to, to help with that. And it works. Um, and that's how you, you can communicate. In the Hispanic uh, community, um, I think a lot of it is that, you know, the messages go out pretty white. And I think a lot of the people just don't get it that how serious this is. And yeah. then they're if they're not here legally, they're nervous of giving their name, uh, but I mean, it's not just illegal immigrants. Many of them have left. But uh, the it's you know they I think they're not getting the message in a way that's culturally acceptable to them. Sure. So mm-hmm. we can deal with that. That there's there's ways to 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 do that. What is um, really strange is the and this is the only disease where politics, formal politics, has a big role. So, for some reason, formal Republicans have a uh, card-carrying Republicans have a much reduced acceptance rate for the vaccine. It's not zero. Sure. I mean, there's plenty of them that that want to take the vaccine. Even Trump got it. Yeah, even Trump got it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Of course he did. He got experimental antibody therapy and steroids <laughs> and everything else. Of, he was like, "Let me dive in." Yeah. <laughs> and then, but then he walks and he's like, "Hydroxychloroquine." Uh, <laughs> 
Uh, uh, that's another whole story. All the, that's all another iber- bottle of wine. Ivermectin and uh, Lysol and uh, oh, oh no, drink bleach. Well, that's you know, but okay. There was speaking about hydroxychloroquine and like ivermectin is the other one. You know, there is an an, an ounce of data that suggests that it may work. Mm-hmm. However, it's very difficult to study. Any drug when 99 to 98% of the people live. Mm. And that's what happens. We only have a 1% to 2% mortality rate from the disease. So, you know, you can say drink uh, two bottles of white wine a day and, it'll, and you'll live. And, you know, you're going to be 98 to 99% correct. And you'll be 99% And you're going to be <laughs> on your butt. But uh, it, uh, but that, you know, so it, you have to, there are appropriate ways to do the studies to show that those drugs have nothing to do with this disease. Yeah. And that's what's going to happen. So, uh, you know, but it brings up a really good point. These, this, these viruses, uh, have what we call targets, parts of them that a drug would work. I, I don't know if you've heard of Tamiflu. It's a drug used to treat the flu. It's mm-hmm. a pill. You get diagnosed with uh, influenza, the flu, and you start taking Tamiflu, you do much better, and you can even, if you're an older, sick person, it can even save your life. So that's all great. We don't have that yet with this disease. Right. We have one drug. It's only intravenous, only for hospitalized patients. It doesn't even work that good. The WHO looked at it, and 11,000 people didn't show any benefit in sick patients. You know, it's basically worthless. But the uh, there, but it, it it does. It's an antiviral drug. You just have to give it early, mm-hmm. and giving something intravenous early is difficult. Mm-hmm. So it does work, but it should be given early. But if you had a pill, and three companies are now making such pills, you know that could be another game changer. We have the diagnostics, we have the vaccines. But if for some reason you don't take a vaccine and you do get sick, you can do a test. You can buy the test in the pharmacy now. And then you take the pill. That could be, that's another game-changing answer to what's yeah. going on. So that's kind of where the, the fight against COVID is going. And yeah. Like, you know, we, we, we got the vaccine out. Kind of everybody in America at this point who's who, who was going to take it is probably, you know, majority have taken it already. Well, it's interesting, you know, the, uh, and a lot of Europeans and other people are laughing at us how they're having these um, lotteries for people that are taking uh, the vaccine. Yeah, like... They've uh, been quite effective. Years <laughs> worth of free donuts if you yeah. get the vaccine, and right. apparently that's enough to convince people in, like, Ohio or whatever. Not, no. not, not looking out for your fellow man. No, 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 no. Give not me the like, donuts. Well, you know, good health. It's just, you know, they just... A lot of people just don't think it's it, it, it's not really anti-vaccine. It's just they don't think they need it. They like my think friends, they right. already had it. Yeah. You know, it's, I don't. You know, I don't want to go through all that vaccine stuff. But you know, but they're 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 why we call them the hesitant. Mm. You know, it doesn't take much to tip them over. They may not just understand the whole thing about like why it's important to protect one to two percent of the population from dying. Mm. You know, mm. we've even had people in the hospital, you know, sick, almost dead, you know, say, you know, I don't want the vaccine. You know, they still don't get it. Right. You know, some people are never going to learn. Mm-hmm. But I think that's actually a really small part. I think many people can be convinced if they hear somebody that they trust. Yep. And, and, and they'll follow along with very little nudging. And there's, we shouldn't shame them or put them down or, you know, say bad things, you know, because I really think they can turn around. That's kind of, uh, because I've listened to some podcasts with like Fauci saying kind of the exact same thing. Do all epidemiologists know each other? Do you know Fauci? (laughs) Of course. (laughs) (laughs) There's very few of us. We can fit in one big conference room. <laughs> I want to go to there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a, that sounds like a room of like smart, interesting people that I would actually legitimately love to well, talk to. Well, you know, to. Tony Fauci cut his teeth in the whole AIDS epidemic, uh, right. which I've been involved in since the first case was diagnosed at Northwestern. 
Mm-hmm. I did, it was my first week of my fellowship. Oh. So fellowship is three oh week, three years right. after you do internal, you go to med school, yeah, yeah, yeah. and you do internal medicine for three years. Then you do infectious disease for two or three years. So I was on my first week of infectious disease, and one of my really? friends, Jim oh my Cohn, gosh. I'll mention his name, great guy, <laughs> He's, uh, he was working in the emergency room. He goes, hey, I think, uh, I think I got one of those cases. I You're said, kidding. I said, why do you think? He goes... Well, he's got this crazy pneumonia. Yeah, yeah. He's uh, here with another guy, and uh, they're very upset, and there's no other relatives around. And and he was very sick, yeah. and actually he, he did die shortly thereafter. This, did he have like the sarcoma but, uh, and stuff? Did you no, see no, that? no. He, this guy just had the pneumonia, okay. the pneumocystis pneumonia. So, you know, we made the diagnosis and we treated him and he did recover and go home from the hospital but then he got sick again that was the typical course right of course. back then with aids but he was our first case and uh so and tony fauci was uh, became head of the national institute for allergy and infectious diseases commonly referred to as niaid uh and all the grants i have in aids you know he was the head of niaid Mm-hmm. So I've known him at meetings. I've had dinner with him. I mean, we're not like bosom buddies or anything, but uh, <laughs> we do know each other. And uh, he, uh, many years ago, he received an honorary PhD from Northwestern. Oh. And uh, I was there at the ceremony and uh, and met him, and had met him again. I've had dinner with him and his wife and his children, mm-hmm. lovely children and lovely wife. And, uh, you know, so we all know each other. We're colleagues. You know, yeah. we're not really friends, yeah, for but sure. colleagues. That's pretty cool, though. Yeah. <laughs> I'm colleagues with Tony well, Fauci, as you call yeah, him. Yeah, Tony Fauci, he's a great guy. Very smart. How he can do it, I, I don't know. Because, you know, he's yeah. 80 years old. <laughs> oh, he doesn't look that old. No, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. He looks great. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I mean, he's been totally demonized. And I don't know. He's a, he's a guy that, you know... This is incredible. He has so much experience and he's so knowledgeable. I mean, people should be listening to that guy. You know, we're experts. We're out on the the thin ice. You know, we don't really know where the pandemic is going. We may all make mistakes. We, we've made, mis- made plenty of mistakes in this whole thing. But a true scientist learns from their mistakes. Right. Uh, like uh, the thing with the masks. At the beginning... The virus is about, can get through any of those masks because the virus is so small. So we figure, oh, you don't really need the masks. They're not helping. Well, it turns out, although the virus is small, it's surrounded in a respiratory droplet, it gets hung up in the mask. So the masks actually work great. So that was a big, you know, learning experience. After I just told people, oh, the masks don't work, don't bother. And, oh, yeah, you got to wear the mask all the just time. Just kidding. <laughs> Sorry, wrong. But, you know... Yeah, it it's a, a scientist, you know, learns from their mistakes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, it, nothing, everything is uh, it changes, uh, yeah. literally day by day. Yeah, so you know. So you've had this. I mean, we've all had a crazy fifteen months, but you've had this like crazy fifteen months. How have you like personally dealt with? you know, having to do this segment every day and like watching this pandemic go absolutely rampant, like you as an expert, that must weigh so heavily on your ma- on your mind. How have you dealt with that, like personally dealing yeah. with the stress? Well, you know, I mean, uh, I would expect at this point in my career that, you know, things would be winding down a little bit. Uh, <laughs> it didn't happen. <laughs> thinking, uh, so you know, it's time to let the junior faculty uh, take over and whatever. I mean, I've never been busier in my life. Yeah. Never been busier. And at the same time, it's very exhilarating, mm-hmm. um, you know, because there's not that many infectious disease experts or epidemiologists out there. It's, mm-hmm. it's really a very small mm-hmm. group. Yeah. And so, you know, we're the ones that have done HIV, Ebola. I mean, I ran a lab in, in Mali, West Africa, that was doing all the Ebola testing. You know, we've got the experience. We have the training, mm-hmm. you know, and, you know, hopefully we make the right decisions always based on science. And if it's, if we make a mistake, believe me, in science, they'll go after you like, you know, they're, they're going to fight you. Mm-hmm. People are very happy to um, to challenge you. And, you know, you've, you have to respond to that challenge and you have to make your point and, uh, and prove it. it that's, that's the way science goes. 
So, you know, we hadn't had a pandemic in modern times. Yeah. So we made a lot of mistakes. Um, but, you know, we made some very good decisions. We developed the vaccines way faster than anybody thought. We developed the diagnostic testing way, way faster than anybody could possibly imagine. Mm -hmm. And so all that stuff was good. And, you know, we still have a lot of cases, but, you know, they're going down. And fortunately, the vaccinated people are the ones that are going to benefit. Yeah. Can you say that one more time? <laughs> the vaccinated people are going to get all the benefits because they're not going to die from this thing. They're not going to end up in a hospital and they're not going to end up in the ICU mm -hmm. and they're not going to die. Right. Um, the unvaccinated, because of this new Delta strain, yeah. so highly contagious compared to the original Wuhan strain. Mm -hmm. So much more contagious that everybody who's not vaccinated today will become infected with it. Everyone in the world. You think? Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's a lot. <laughs> That's a lot. So, you know, you can, if you're not vaccinated, it's just a matter of time mm -hmm. before you will get infected. But you only have a 1% or 2% chance of dying. And the treatment now is much better than it was before. Mm -hmm. Sure. And the hospital system, like in New York, early in the pandemic, you know, is not so overwhelmed. Now, that's changing in some of the rural communities where very few people are vaccinated. Any place where it's under 35% is really high risk. Yeah. And uh, in some of those systems, which in rural areas are not that strong to begin mm. with, you know, they don't have many ICU beds. They don't have that many ventilators. Right. You know, they're in very remote areas. Those are the people that are going to suffer. What resources would you recommend to those who are hesitant, you know, maybe have some like, you know, like, like good reasons to be anxious mm -hmm. about the vaccine, about sure. getting vaccinated? Like, what would you recommend if they were still hesitant after you know, hearing you speak today? Well, I mean, I would say, you know, listen to your local doctor and health authority. I would say 99% of them are on the right page mm -hmm. um, and stop reading a lot of the stuff online from really unreputable sources and, and be very careful what you listen to. So, you know, there are plenty of good places to look for information. So the CDC, you have the WHO, you have the Johns Hopkins website, you have our website, which is called Covaxin. Uh, you have the University of Washington. You have many uh, reputable websites that are, you know, very on the on the strict mm -hmm. you know and just and look at that uh and you know just stick with kind of your mainstream uh medical information sources and use your own doctor use your own uh health department i mean here in illinois <clears throat> i'll be honest you're, we're very lucky to have two really highly trained uh, infectious disease epidemiology people running the health department Dr. Ngozi Azike from the state of Illinois, incredible person, and Dr. Uh, Allison Arwoody Ar mm -hmm. from the city of Chicago. So Chicago is a weird place. Chicago, no. <laughs> Chicago <laughs> has its own like health system, and the state of Illinois has sure, their own right, health system, yeah. and Cook County has its own health system. So there's actually sort of three things, but you don't hear too much about Cook County. But uh, it's really two completely different systems. And the way the government distributes the vaccine, they treat them separately. Yeah. So okay. the state and the city, you know, I think that the, the mayor and the governor actually are pretty much in sync. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not 100 percent. But, you know, it's, being in Chicago is very different than being in downstate Illinois. Oh, for sure. Uh, yeah. Different world. So a very different world. So, you know, they have some differences that they have to deal with. But, I mean, I, I think that the public health leadership in this state has been really very good. We've, we've been very fortunate. And I, I would say in many parts of the country it's been the same. Mm -hmm. You know, I think where we've run into some trouble is not so much in the uh, – medical uh, authorities in those states, but it's in the non-medical polit political class right, yeah. that have just pushed business over health. Mm. And Capitalism. I'll do yeah, it. Well, it's actually, it's, you know, I, I don't think there's a, there's a non-capitalist running a state anywhere. You know, yeah. I mean, you know, Illinois included, but I mean, you, you just, uh, 
you can't have the a non-medical person dictating uh, what's best for the public health. Yeah, that's not going to work. Yep. Um, but and you know, but I think people are coming around, and uh, the numbers are going to are will tell the story. Yeah. Now I know there's no such thing as a bad question, mm-hmm. but. After 15 months of answering people's questions. Oh, yeah. <laughs> did you ever come across any? <laughs> like, was, was there ever... I mean, obviously you prepared beforehand, but did you ever read something and just go, oh, God. <laughs> um, there's really no... I think you're right. There's really no bad questions. There's confusion. Sure. That sure. comes through. And, uh, you know, like... Uh, if I have to make everybody wear the mask, then half the employees are going to leave. I mean, what am I going to do? I said, you know, I mean, you make a decision. Um, you know, you're, it's, it's, you have to make the right decision. What's safe for the employees? So, like, in a lot of places, the people won't wear masks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For whatever reason. Even yeah. in Illinois. I oh, mean, yeah. you know, yeah. I had uh, people that ran factories... Uh, call me and say, you know, the employees won't wear the mask, or they take them off, or, you know, they're wearing them around around their neck. What am I supposed to do? I said, you know, you have to do your best to enforce and to educate the people. Like, why are you doing that? You're doing this so you don't have to quarantine half the people working here. And, you know, then that's that's the big economic negative. Mm -hmm. If you have to get them, get exposed people off the line. So, you know, there are... Ways to make the argument without, you know, being too negative to the to the persons that won't do it. Right. But on the other hand, like uh, there was the case in uh, Houston mm-hmm. with the hospital. So 99% of the hospital workers took the vaccine. Right. And then 1%, or I think it was just under 200 people, refused the vaccine. And they the case went to the Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court said, "No, the hospital wins." <gasps> wow, yeah. oh, that's so that's so unfathomable to me because I have heard multiple stories of like the nurses are refusing the vaccine. I'm like, yeah. "What? You are a medical professional. What are you talking about?" No, even some of the nurses that my mom worked with at her vaccination site, they were they didn't want to take it for they're, whatever reason. They they're had. jabbing people like Bill Gates is putting microchips in you. Like what? Yeah. <laughs> like what? Here's your microchip. <laughs> You are not interesting enough to microchip. Like, fight me. Like, <laughs> also, we all have cell phones. Like, we're microchips. Let's face I want, it. I want my microchip to play music at night. You know, so. <laughs> Track my steps. <laughs> oh, for sure. Oh my god. No, but it, it's it really is amazing. And but th- this was a I don't know if it was a unanimous decision, but it was an overwhelming decision. Mm-hmm. And the, and we already do it. You know, when the uh, anti-vaccine thing took off in uh, California, um, they had 14 measles epidemics in California. And they had to reinstate it. And yeah, because anti-vax moms are like, I'm not gonna, I'm not going to vaccinate little Bryn against like Brexley against measles because they they can fight it and then kids are dying. Measles measles is one of the most contagious diseases on earth. Mm -hmm. And, uh, if you don't vaccinate, and it, it's totally preventable by the vaccine. The vaccine yeah. works great for me. So it's been around for years, you know. And this whole autism thing was really has been investigated so much. It's absolutely untrue that there's any association with autism and these vaccines. And the damage from getting measles is this really could be quite devastating. People die from measles. Yeah. Right. They get encephalitis yeah. and they can die. Oh, and that's why, you know, we put measles vaccines out there as a mandated yep. vaccine. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people pretty much accept that. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, uh, and they're going to, uh, uh, you know, I think they're just going to have to accept this uh, COVID vaccine thing, which I think is going to get more strict in certain areas because both the Pfizer and Moderna vaccine mm-hmm. are going to get full FDA approval very soon. Yep. Right now, they have emergency use authorization. That does not mean experimental. Right. They've right. done all the experiments, Yeah. but they had not followed the, the people for more than two months, and so they got EUA, emergency use authorization. Sure. And now that they've been out 
the last person in the study is now out past six months, so they've applied for full approval. I think once it's full approval, I think you're going to see the military, all the hospitals, schools, yeah. everybody's mm-hmm. going to mandate it. Yep. And, you Good. know, if you want to just not take it, you're going to be in kind of a smaller and smaller world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I unfortunately have a, uh, a family member who's, she's younger and she's worried about it causing like birth defects or infecting mm-hmm. infertility. Can you yeah. speak anything on that? Oh, yeah. No, there's actually a ton of data on that. It's mostly in female healthcare workers because mm-hmm. they were at such high risk right. of getting COVID. So COVID can cause problems with pregnancy. That's well, for sure. I imagine. Yeah. And, you know, these thousands of women, literally tens of thousands of women have had the vaccine at, from conception to first, second, and third trimester. Mm-hmm. Nothing. Nothing. Great. It's yeah. been examined, looked at. There's an ongoing study in right now uh, where they're followed even more closely, but zero has come. There's no signal. There was no signal in the animal models. Mm. There was no signal in the clinical trials. Of course, pregnant women were excluded from the trials, but the trials had so many women, many of the women got pregnant during the trials. Well, <laughs> you, hear it, you heard it here, folks. Yeah, so it happens all the time. So, you know, it, there is no evidence that it's bad and that it's actually good and that those antibodies actually get passed on to the baby. Mm-hmm. So the baby will be protected, at least partially anyway, uh, from getting COVID. Mm-hmm. We don't know what the, we don't really know the long-term side effects of COVID in children. Yeah. You know, maybe there's something long-term that's going to happen. We don't know. Mm-hmm. People should worry about stuff like that. Yeah. 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 If you, can, you can answer this from a science perspective or from a humanitarian perspective. How, how do you think this will change the world moving forward? Well, I think... Uh, the silver lining is that vaccine uh, development is is now gone in the stratosphere. Yeah, which is cool. Yeah, very cool because we'll have other pandemics and epidemics, mm-hmm. and now we know we can actually do it within a year's time. All this can be done. Yeah. So that's that's going to be one thing. Also, the di- like I mentioned before, the diagnostics, mm-hmm. all this stuff going to be pharmacy is going to have the tests you go over the counter or very simple tests in a doctor's office to get a diagnosis that's all that's changed everything it was already kind of going in that direction but this is just accelerated yeah so there's going to be those things and then um just all the attention paid to these viruses you know if the next one comes it's not a coronavirus it's some other kind of virus you know we have the genetic tools, uh, the molecular tools to deal with it. So it was the same thing with HIV. HIV has had an incredible um, uh, impact on cancer therapy and anything with immunologically related. You know, so that has just, that technology just can be used uh, with so much more than just HIV. HIV is bad enough, but I mean, it, that kind of technology goes further. So, you know, since that happened, you know, we've cured hepatitis C. Hepatitis C is curable. Mm-hmm. Eight to 12 weeks of therapy. You know, that would, probably would have been delayed very long if it hadn't been for HIV. Mm-hmm. So all that stuff, you know, feeds on itself. And as we end up with a world with, you know, seven to 10 billion people in it, you know, all living pretty closely and traveling as much as we do, you know, we've got to have the tools to be able to fight these infections that are easily uh, transmitted from person to person. Uh-huh. That's true. Well, well. <laughs> so we do a fun thing. So Rob, we do a fun thing at the end of every episode Uh-oh. where we talk about uh, what we did for self care this week. <laughs> are you are you are you are you hip with the terms? Do you know about self care? Self care. Just like I'm not, yeah. <laughs> obviously no. no. It's a nice, I obviously need it. A nice. <laughs> We'll tell go me. first. We'll tell go me. first. Tell uh, me. Meaning like a, a thing you do to take care of yourself. Oh. So we will, we'll go we'll first. Go we'll first. give you a minute to think about we'll it. Julia, what was your self-care this week? Oh, no. Um, <laughs> not nothing? <laughs> nothing? Oh, I do I do everything and then something. Why don't you go first? Because actually I'm... I, I t- actually, okay, no. So I, I've started reading again. 
Well, that's nice. I have I have found I actually found a I'm, I'm reading Water for Elephants. I'm finally hopping on the oh. train, and I am purposely blocking out like 30 minutes of my day. Like it is. It is a constraint I have put on my schedule. Like, either I have to read during this half hour or I'm not going to do anything. I'm not going to go on Netflix. I'm not going to go on my phone. I have to sit here and I have to read. And it's, it's genuinely a good book. But it's also such, like, a nice, calming way to get, like, out of my head and away from my anxiety and all the other things weighing on my mind. And now I'm like, huh. Maybe I should be doing this more often or something. I don't know. So if anyone has any good book recommendations, shoot them my way because uh, I need them. Mm-hmm. I have, I actually, you you were talking earlier about, Rob, about um, like just unplugging from social media and just like, no, I'm just going to not pay attention to it. I've been, I have been uh, sort of taking a step back because I just, there's, y- it's particularly like when you grew up in our generation, we're like, I was born the year that the internet became available to the public and we grew up with the internet and now like the internet is so entwined into our lives and it just ends up becoming this like big old comparison game. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't need this actually. So I've been deliberately stepping back from that lately. And that's actually, it's been nice. It's I, cause you just, you're correct. You just don't yeah. have to engage with the trolls. You just don't have to engage. Yeah. Uh, like I don't. I don't look. I'm. A, I'm really afraid to look because I don't <laughs> want to. I don't want to get position. any more weird than I already am with this whole thing. <laughs> what? Let alone deal with people, you know, sending all these crazy messages. Uh, but uh, no, what I've done is, um, so I, I'm a, a lover of wine. I, I mean, I've been to vineyards around the world, and I. Drink wine. Matter of fact, the last place I was at before the pandemic started mm-hmm. was in South Africa. So I was in Cape Town, and we have an annual meeting there. And Cape Town has a, a fantastic wine uh, culture yeah. there. Mm-hmm. And there's all these uh, mountains, and there's a valley in between each of the little ranges. And the last valley is called Hemel and Arda, which means heaven and earth. And so they're the last one. It's only 40 years old of growing grapes. So it's a new area, and it's just, like, fantastic. Mm-hmm. They have great Pinot Noir. They have, oh, I mean, it's just, and it's it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. So before my meeting last year, me and two French people, of course, <laughs> and we, we go to Hemel and Arda to the Pinot Noir Festival. Oh, I mean, it was just like, so it was jealous. the calm before the storm. <laughs> right. You know, we never had a met, and it, this was, like, in, like, the third week of January. And we're, we're, we were just oblivious to everything, and it was just this, beautiful beautiful weekend with food and with the wine and it's just beautiful Mm -hmm. in the western cape of south africa so uh, you know so then we have this whole thing and i I haven't had a vacation since then i'm taking two weeks the next two weeks off and i'm going to take another two weeks in august there you go that's (laughs) self-care i bought a i decided to really uh, take the big plunge and i bought a house um on lake michigan in uh, in southwestern Michigan, and I've I've wanted to do it for a long time, and I figured, what am I waiting for? Yeah, and yeah. so now I'm kind of taking a lot of time, you know, getting that furnished and kind of ready to go. And I found that I really I really enjoy being there, even though I'm I'm working while I'm there. And, you know, it has internet, you know, and uh, so <laughs> and uh, not as good as in Africa, but it is okay. It, I mean, it's crazy. The phone doesn't work there. I mean, I, I oh, work all over the world. My phone works everywhere, but in Michigan, no uh, signal, no signal in rural Michigan. That is like just too weird. But uh, but anyhow, so I'm I'm like really just this has all just happened in the last month, and so I'm in, enjoying that, and I've. Because I do like wine and everything, I've definitely upgraded. <laughs> I love it! Oh my god! I'm going that not to the top or anything, but I'm going that one, you know, just one step above table wine, and uh, you know that you know I, that makes me very happy. And uh, I mean, honestly, if anybody deserves like a, a lake house in the middle of like pine tree nowhere, Michigan, it's someone in your field. Yeah, like after you, the year you've had. After the after yeah. the fifteen months, like you and your colleagues have all had, and like I mean, you've had to deal with a lot of crud. Well, and honestly, a, you all should be so proud. I need a little uh, downtime. Yeah, even of though course. I can work online and stuff. I mean, I just need to get away. I mean, you don't realize. I mean, my primary work was in Sub-Saharan Africa. I mean, I was gone fifty percent of the time, mm. 
traveling around the world, um, all over the place, but very heavily in Western Africa and some in Southern Africa. And, you know, I didn't think anything. I was looking at my schedule from from Christmas until uh, 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 February uh, 15th when I came back from my last trip. And like, you know, I was in Beijing, China. I was in Doha, Qatar. I was in Paris. I was in Madrid. Uh, I was in uh, Nairobi. And I was in Lagos, Nigeria, in Ibadan, Nigeria, and, you know, Casablanca, and, you know, came back to New York. You know, it's like, I was looking at myself, I was like, how did I ever even do that? Also, I'm in the I, wrong, I'm in the wrong field. I want to travel that much. I don't know. No, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> you definitely don't want to travel that much. Fair. But I would think, I, I, I would think nothing about being on an airplane for 18 hours. Yeah. I would just think nothing of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, okay, I was in Africa last week, but I'm going to go back to another meeting in Uganda or, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I'm I'm working. Yeah. You know, it's not a vacation or anything. Right. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, and then, oh, yes, I'm going to, I'll stay in Paris an extra three days and have dinner with some friends, and then I'll come back to London and, you know, go back. You know, I mean, it was just kind of this, it sounds very glamorous, but it's all, you know, work. Related. Right. I'm not like just jet setting to just yeah. go visit. Right. Uh, I actually work in these places, and I work a lot. I go to France quite a bit because um, a lot of the French doctors, uh, Francophone Africa, and I, we have you know mm-hmm. mutual uh, work projects there, mm-hmm. and we actually work together. So you know all, all that stuff uh, is that, but like you know, uh, actually no, I I really don't want to travel that much anymore. I mean, that's fair. I'm going yeah, to Mich- gonna... Now I'm going to Michigan, <laughs> where the phone doesn't work. There's that's hardly right. any internet. You know, it's like... <laughs> it, it must be a nice reprieve. Yeah, I was gonna, after you described that, I'm like, oh, yeah, so it must have been a real change of pace for you this last year when Very you like, couldn't so. travel. Well, you know, when you travel, you know, you're on an airplane literally for 24 hours, you know, that you're communicating with very few people. Right. So mm-hmm. you have actually a lot of downtime. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people just don't, oh, he's traveling. You know, like, okay, you just accept that. Right. Now, I'm not traveling. Oh, good. Don't worry. Let's talk today. Let's talk, you know, like, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. so now the days are really, really packed. Yeah. Mm. Rob, can be in my podcast. Yeah, right. <laughs> Rob, put it on the schedule. Yeah, Don't be in my podcast. On the schedule. <laughs> oh, well, it sounds like, yeah, like you are finally getting here, the well-deserved break. Yeah, and yeah. time to breathe that you deserve. But we are we are very grateful for the time that you gave us today. Yeah, it's and honestly it's honestly kind of an honor to meet you after like hearing about all the crap that you've done. I'm well, like, I mean, wow, <laughs> wow. Okay. I appreciate it that you're trying to do something to help other people protect themselves mm-hmm. because I really think that most of the people that have not taken the vaccine, I think they will take it. Yeah. They just need that little encouragement to know that it's safe, but it's also very so effective. I, I just remember, like, after two weeks after my second <clears throat> dose, like, walking around outside and just feeling, like, the the, the weight oh, off yeah. my shoulders oh, yeah. of, like, yeah, I'm young. Yeah, I don't have mm-hmm. any, you know, previous, like, you know, disease or whatever, but I'm not going to give it to someone that I'm passing in the grocery store or on the sidewalk. Like, I, well, I'm not going to you don't want to go through the hospital even now. We well, don't have that many people in the hospital, but they're all young. Yeah. Well, and also there's like no guarantee that you won't get like long COVID. Yeah. Like yeah, that right. was what terrified yeah. me. I was like, knowing my luck, I'm going to get the chronic version yeah. and I'm just going to be useless for yeah. forever. Or like the anxiety of like, 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 I remember I was asking you if like, sh- is it a good idea for me to see my parents only quarantining after like, you know, less than 14 days. Mm-hmm. And like the idea of like hugging my older parents could potentially yeah. kill them. Yeah, like, right. like having that, and now I'm spending this weekend with them and my boyfriend. Uh, <laughs> Which is always fun, that combination. I yeah. uh, know. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, uh, we will get over this. Um, I, I mean, I've studied pandemics from the Justinian era to the present day. All pandemics come to an end. It's just how much damage they cause yeah. uh, during the pandemic itself. Right. So, you know, we'll get through it. Let's try to get through it with as less, less damage as possible. But we will get through it. Yeah, That's how that. it happens. That's what happens. I love that. Well, you've been listening to the sage words of Dr. Rob Murphy. <laughs> uh, check out his... Uh, do, 
Do you have, I, I was going to say plug your WGN segment, but I guess it's not really happening anymore. Well, Monday and Friday. <laughs> Monday and Friday. Monday and Friday. Well, and also like l- pl- plug your thing. Like, yeah, let's yeah. Be honest, we have you our Covaxin website. You so have more listeners than We're me. answering questions. Uh, yes. in, be- in the week, in between Monday and Friday, we answer the questions. So yeah. it's fine. Yeah. And, that, and no question is, no question is, uh, a bad question. A bad question. That's right. That's right. Yes. We'll, we'll make sure to provide a, a link to have access yeah, to that. Yeah. You can uh, link into either one of those. Either the, So I'm, we're working very well with WGN. So yeah. they're referring the questions to us and, that's awesome. and referring people to the Good. question and answer website. That that's I great. great. So that's great. If, no. you, if you have any questions, shoot them shoot his way. I'll provide a link. And yeah. Julia, we want everybody to take the vaccine and stay safe. Stay safe. And yep. same time next, next week. week.